Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Coffee. I'm Jess. And I'm James. It's actually sunny outside. Yeah. I feel like every time we record, it is cloudy and raining. Yeah. I think the one day I can't go outside and gallivant because I'm feeling under the weather. The weather is like amazing. Yeah. You <laughs> said just before this, the clouds look like the Simpsons clouds. Yeah. They do look like the Simpsons They're clouds. Super fluffy on a super blue, light blue background, very clear. It's super cute. Yeah. Cute day. Very cute day. Uh huh. Can you describe what we had for breakfast oh, yeah. this morning? Yeah. Um, so for breakfast today, we had I, essentially a Japanese breakfast. Um, I made mackerel. Salted mackerel in the air fryer. Um, we buy them frozen from H Mart. That's just a, a hack for everybody. I whenever I go to Japanese restaurants, I always like love the mackerel and I always order the mackerel. So when I found out that you can just make it in an air fryer in eight minutes, my goodness! So I we made um, salted mackerel, and there was uh, broccoli with sesame q pie dressing on it there was tofu um with cilantro scallions and a soy sauce dressing on it there was a korean take on miso soup i used tenjang which is a little bit danker it's like a dank fermented korean soybean it's less saltier is it so yeah it doesn't have that like saltiness of the miso maybe but it's definitely like stinkier and like danker Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the dank part, but it's just like a good, like yeah. a little bit more saltier, darker soup than a miso soup. It's darker. And my mom made it this time. That's homemade by her. Oh, could you explain backyard. to people how tenjang is made? Uh, no, I can't. I have no <laughs> well, idea. I guess it's the just point fermented is, soybeans. <laughs> well, when I learned about it, it's like if you ever watch K dramas oh. and they're at someone's house and the house has like those. Uh, jars the big jars around the ceramic urns basically in there is tenjang yeah so i think i wouldn't say it's tenjang it's basically a fermentation pot yeah so there could be kochujang in there which is like our fermented pepper paste there could be tenjang in there which is fermented soybean paste people put kimchi in there and would leave it like outside oh so some of those yeah so when you see all of those like jars in the backyards of those homes in the k-dramas yeah if pe- people do that in korea right like they'll, they'll have a bunch of those jars outside i don't know the if yard. they do it as much now uh-huh. um but i i mean those things are expensive they're like super super expensive jars i, I don't know how it works um but it, it has some capacity to keep things like temperature controlled and and sterile but enough. it's just a jar it's it's like a it's like a ceramic jar. It's a ceramic it's, urn in a way. Yeah, like it's a crazy. massive human-sized urn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm saying this because I was impressed that these jars are just sitting outside in the yard, and there's the, all the fermentation going on. I guess. Oh yeah, I think I did watch a video where there people have kimchi in there, not just like yeah. tenjang. Yeah. So that's really cool. It's that pretty crazy. Your, your mom has like I think three three of the jars or whatever. Yeah, my um, my dad found them on Korean Craigslist and got them at a really great deal. And so for the first time, she essentially dehydrated her own chili peppers and like made her own sauces, which is crazy. Yeah, so that tenjang basically came out of those urns that are sitting in your parents' backyard. Yeah, and they taste so great. And I think the added benefit of that is that there's no wheat in it. Um, a lot of the store-bought stuff has like wheat as a thickener, I guess, in all of the sauces and all of the soups. And so, you know, if you're gluten-free or like a little bit gluten-sensitive, um, I don't know, make some at home <laughs> in yeah. your backyard. Yeah, and I think uh, the last piece of that was I cooked just the egg roll. So yes. What's it? It's like it's tamagayaki. Like a roll, is that what it's, it's a called? rolled rolled egg. I'll look yeah, it up. With a thin layer. So I've been trying to perfect this for the past couple years i think ever since we got together i've been like because we're using your specific pan the square pan yeah i never had one of those but since i met you and you brought one over 
I've been trying to learn how to make these and I think I'm getting a lot better at it. Yeah, it's called tamagayaki. Um, I've been trying to get some, some nice thin layers in my egg rolls. I think it came out pretty good. Uh, but yeah, it was a very filling and hearty breakfast. Yeah. It's much better than the super cakey, sweet, dessert-like breakfasts. Yeah, I'm a little biased. I feel like Asian breakfasts in general are like pretty magical. Um, I think that they're just much more nutritionally beneficial. Um, They just have, you know, so much flavor. I mean, I, I wanted that breakfast for two reasons. One, because I am feeling under the weather and I just need nutrition. And I was trying to decide between making like a turkey, egg and cheese or, you know, do I want like the heavy hitter nutritional, you know, like powerhouses, right? So I was like, okay, we have mackerel, we have fermented tenjang, we've got, you know, tofu, seaweed. I was like, I need all that, you know, broccoli. And so it's a lot of prep for such simple meals and you know i'm korean so we eat them in panchan style like little a little lot bowls. of dishes we a have lot to do of... a lot of dishes afterwards yeah <laughs> but it looks so cute right <laughs> but it's like a lot of these little bowls on a tray that surround the rice and it's such like a decadent decadent breakfast but every single item that is made is so simple to make yeah right that the mackerel just took eight minutes in an air fryer the soup was just heating up some broth and putting some of the tenjang in it, cutting up some greens. Broccoli, I just steamed it. All of it was just making sauces and cutting things and assembling them. And so, you know, it was it's a it's a ritual I do when I'm sick to cook to take care of myself. Yeah. You know. And we don't just eat it when we're sick. We just eat it when we want to Yeah. Just be have a nice hearty breakfast, as I said. Yeah. But yeah, that reminds me, like, as we were cooking, you know, we were talking about our own food journeys and feel like you were telling me about how you started getting into actually cooking meals for yourself. And I feel like before I met you, I didn't really cook that much at all, but I feel like I knew how to cook things. I just never actually took the care to like cook a meal until yeah we met and i had somebody else to cook for yeah i feel like most of the meals that you did tell me about were like really simple yeah like you'd make yourself like a slab of steak yeah i'd buy like steak at the supermarket it's like salt literally all you have to do is throw it like buy it from off the shelf throw it onto a pan yeah Yeah, just season it with salt and pepper and it was good yeah and then yeah the other stuff i cook just breakfast eggs and then my go-to meal, which is the hamburgers and gravy, all you have to do is literally put the hamburger in the pan, throw some chicken gravy on top of it, and just some you know, have it with rice. Yeah. So all the meals that I used to cook before I met you were just all of these super easy things. Even the thing that I would tell you is like the most extravagant thing that I ever cooked was like salmon. No, but salmon's you, also very easy I, to cook as well. I thought the most extravagant thing that you made was ribs. You made ribs, which is essentially just pouring a bunch of barbecue sauce on top of a slab of ribs you bought at the store. Yeah, and then you just let it sit in the oven for like three hours. Yeah, I don't know. To me, that was like decadent. Like, you know, I don't think I was really cooking too much when we met either. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting reflection that we took recently because... I was thinking that, you know, when we had met, I had been living alone for about a year and a half, about like a year in. And prior to that, I'd moved in with my family almost a little over 10 years before we met. I was living on my own after college and, you know, as a college kid, like you don't eat. I I was eating like Chinese food and like bodega turkey sandwiches like every day like I didn't care but then I moved back in because of personal circumstances family health reasons and so you don't really have to cook when you're living with your family and even when you do it's not your kitchen so you don't really feel a sense of like ownership of this of the food decisions you make, right? Yeah, I know that if I lived at home, my mom would just not allow it. Yeah. She would not let me cook at all. She would cook every meal for me. And I'm also like, why? When the food my mom makes is just so much more superior than like anything I could make. 
definitely. So I, I had it in my head that I didn't really start experimenting with cooking for myself until I moved into my own apartment again as an adult. It's like a late 20s adult in uh, 2017. And even then it was like very, very simple. And I think after you and I met, I all of a sudden like wanted to make food for you and make it look beautiful and watch you while you eat and listen for compliments like the same way my parents would do it. Yeah. (laughs) I get it now. Do you remember the first meal that you cooked for me? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was chicken cutlets. Yeah. And I was so like, oh my God, instead of going on a date, like, why don't you come over my house? And like, I think it was your first time sleeping over. And I was like, kind of nervous. And I wanted to impress you. Bro, guys, I... Oh, I'm getting so <laughs> mad. Maybe I should tell the story. Okay. <laughs> I think you look pretty triggered right no, now. No, <laughs> no. Let me tell my version and then you tell your version. But I fucking... Hold on. I like slave away in the kitchen. That's not true. It was like super easy to make. The The chicken was like pre-breaded, you know. But I don't think you started cooking until, until you got I was there. there. Because it's so simple. It's, it's a very simple dish to make. Like I had a bunch of frozen, um, like, you know... I made a bunch of chicken cutlets prior and breaded them and put them in the freezer. So all I had to do was pop one on the frying pan when you got there. And, you know, it was like a, it was like a tonkatsu style, like, or a chicken katsu style. Like there's rice, chicken cutlet, shredded cabbage, and some sauce on top. Super simple. But it was our first, like, date at home. And your first time sleeping over and I was really excited so I yeah you come in and you have a shopping bag in the shopping bag you had a gift which was ice cream like some you know alcohol oh, yeah you were talking about that Hagen does al- alcohol ice cream there's alcohol in that ice cream yeah they like laced ice cream they had like a limited edition thing and I couldn't find any but then this dude pulls out like two hot pockets from his shopping bag and puts it in the freezer. Oh my God, I'm yelling. Like my voice is so high. I'm sorry. But I was just like, what were you bringing that for? <laughs> it was an emergency snack. <laughs> you never know when you might get hungry in the middle of the night i didn't know what your snack situation was at your house my first time being there so i figured you know may as well bring some just in case food so i brought hot pockets and then i got your ice cream that you shared with me on like instagram and i like remember this little detail that i let me go look for this ice cream that you shared with me and i bought oranges too it wasn't just hot pockets I was like, this dude bought dinner after dinner. Like, he didn't trust that my food was going to be good. No, I get it. I mean, look, I get it. Now that you explain it, like, I I have food insecurity. Not food insecurity, but I have, like, food anxiety. I always pack snacks. I always, you know, I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But damn. I I remember when... (laughs) You saw that I got Hot Pockets. You got pretty mad. And I was like, oh, no. I think it was like the first time like you got mad at me or something. And I was like, what What did I do? Our first fight was because this mofo brought Hot Pockets to dinner. <laughs> oh, man. Stupid. I think I ate one of them. Did I eat? No, I didn't eat one of them. No, you didn't. I think you felt so bad that even if you wanted to, you couldn't. I think I did want to. You did want to because it was like a pretty light dinner. Mm-hmm. Whatever, bro. You waited until like the next date and then we had them. Yeah. So that was the, the first meal that you cooked for me. God. What do, you, what do you say is your signature dish that you make? Well, I think for a while it was the ramen that I made for you. This like veggie ramen, kind yeah. of like assembling a ramen bowl from scratch, which was really fun. Um... But I also realized that 
I tend to really bring pizzazz to like salads and sides. And so I have this signature like Thai peanut like, oh, yeah. like it's like a it's like a kale salad with this Thai peanut dressing and anytime I bring it to parties that bowl is like empty and people are just like I don't even like salad. Yeah. And that was bomb, you know? I'm like yeah. great because usually when I go to potlucks it's a ton of meat and like no veggies. It's very true. Yeah. Yeah, we like yeah, I would say you are a queen of salads. Oh, a queen. <laughs> Salad queen. But it's true. Anytime we go somewhere and we're like, oh, bring a dish or whatever, it's always a safe bet for us to bring salad because you're right. Like yeah. Everybody brings some sort of pasta or meat. And there's just meat left and right. And I always forget to eat my vegetables, so it's always good to, to have a salad in there. And yeah, people like devour the salad. Yeah, because people think salads are like these sad little leaves with like tomato and but like you you have a really nice mix of like crunch and sweet and like a cheese and like a homemade dressing and all of a sudden it's like oh i've never thought about salad as a decadent experience before you know i never thought i'd be this person i i never thought i'd be like a healthy food fanatic but i like love vegetables dude yeah and all of our combined like joint meals that we create together like i feel like you make the meat and i make the sides you know yeah 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 i would say that now i don't even know what my (laughs) signature dish would be if I would say something it would either be like I, I wanted for some reason I wanted to say salmon yeah like I've been getting really into the sauces that I put on top of the salmon salmon itself ever since we got the air fryer is like super easy to cook and get it right I mean I feel like I have to check on it often just to get it cooked right but the magic part of it is making whatever glaze or sauce that I put on top of it and yeah I, you're so good with sauces yeah I sort of just like freestyle it based off of like what my mouth wants at the yeah. moment it's either like if it's really salty, it's like, oh, I want like a miso, like honey situation or like a teriyaki situation. And yeah, so I feel like salmon is something that I really enjoy cooking. Um, there's a couple dishes that I like to cook but don't really cook anymore because I've been holding off on the red meat. Mm. One of them is like that. Do you know that like steak that I make that I try to replicate from Utoya? So Utoya is a Japanese restaurant in the city that we love going to. And I usually buy like a, a top round like steak and like just marinate it in like soy sauce and rice vinegar. And I try to replicate that like meat dish that we get at, at Utoya. Mm. I feel like that was something that I really, really enjoyed cooking. But yeah, I haven't had yeah. red meat in a long time. So I haven't cooked that in a while. Yeah, I'm proud of you. I think quitting red meat is super hard especially as a filipino where you know pork and pork is just kind of such a huge part of your diet yeah although now i've been really getting into making broths oh yeah that's your that's your current era you're like in your broth era yeah that's like the current thing that i'm exploring and i like making it because every single time i make it i try to like tweak the ingredients to get a specific flavor mm. uh, I, I think that when we went camping a few weeks ago and the mom of the the campground camp mom the camp mom <laughs> came out and their Thai family she came out with a, like a soup like a Thai like a soup from Thailand yeah it was a pork soup because there's pork spare rib bones like ground, in there. Ground, she said ground pork lemongrass there's cilantro in there yeah so ever since so I had that good. I was like oh man I gotta be making broths. Yeah. And, and she brought it to us for breakfast. And like, you never really think about how much your body like l- appreciates a broth for breakfast. Yeah. You know? And then we, we read into all the benefits of a broth. <laughs> and I mean, everybody knows that there's like collagen and stuff in it. I'm learning all about yeah. glycine or whatever that comes out of like the collagen when you. I mean, crayons. Melt it down in broth. Yeah. And crayons in general are like very big broth people. Like, my mom and my dad always say that, like, you know, as you get older, as they get older, like, to them, a meal isn't complete if there's a broth on the table, if there's not a broth on the table. Yeah. And I never used to think that, but now I'm like, oh, God. Like, I think 
we just need to have broth all the time at all seasons and i mean we get the whole box of chicken broth from costco but it's just so much nicer to like make your own and on top of that when you make broth it is from like leftover like chicken bones and stuff so you're like kind of stretching out the usage of some of the ingredients like in the broth that i made like you had some kale stalks because you pulled all the leaves off of them and i was like yeah give that to me i'll throw that into the broth yeah so yeah so in my broth i'll just throw in like onions a ton of garlic a good amount of ginger and then like whatever vegetables we have carrots um and cilantro stems and it's just yeah whatever we have and i I, i've been getting like a thing of lemongrass so put some lemon i think the lemongrass is the the thing that i got from the camp mom because i was like oh there's this soup I've, is like really lemongrassy, and I love that. I've like literally never used lemongrass at home in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I always want to, but I like never had the courage to actually like buy lemongrass. But it's such a key ingredient in the soup. Yeah, like it adds such a beautiful like citrusy tartness that you just don't think about. It's so under the surface, but you can tell when it's missing. Yeah, you know, oh, it's so good. Yeah, that yeah. broth is so good. And then I use it for everything, like not just for soup, but like if I'm hungry and I make like a ramen package instead of just using water, like use the broth for the ramen. Oh, makes like, like yeah. you know, the cheap ramen taste so much better. Yeah. And then the miso soup, instead of just using water with the miso, just throw some miso into yeah. that soup. And you know, you can make so rice good. with it if you wanted to get rid of it. But I made chuk, like, which is a rice porridge, basically. It's like Korean kanji. It's like a lot chunkier. But the first day I was like, oh yeah, I'm sick. Like I took some of that leftover broth and just threw some rice in there and made like the heartiest flavorful kanji ever. It's just such a good base. And I've heard rumors about broth being easy, but I just think that like, as we continue to cook, our definition of what is easy just gets like, elevate like just it just elevates right so it's easy for us might be like nah to somebody who who is like just starting out but yeah i don't know it's like you never really think about how accessible and easy and cheap and healthy it is to just make broth at home yeah well i think the pandemic and like working from home is also oh gosh yeah been a big factor in getting us to cook a lot more i feel like i would not be able to make broths or not be able to cook if i wasn't literally here working at home that i could just go over to the stove and check on it since it's going to be sitting there for That's three true. hours and i think we really really accelerated our cooking when pandemic hit and we couldn't go out and eat it's and true we ended up just buying a ton of stuff at the grocery store yeah. and you know getting creative with it yeah i think you and i kind of found our like co-cooking language together during covid because yeah you're right like there was a period of time where like eating out was potentially dangerous because we didn't know how it spread and i would like disinfect every single you know piece of foil like foil wrap and fork and i just it was just such a hassle um to to do takeout during covid and One of my memories, well, two memories really stem from COVID. One is I started this like egg and rice series or rice and egg series where to kind of give myself something to look forward to doing in the morning, you know, during those long stretches of just like trauma (laughs) like during that time. I got really creative with how I would make breakfast with just like rice and egg. And I would actually say my like specialty is breakfast foods. Like my whole feed is just breakfast foods and making them beautiful. And people are like, oh, you eat healthy. Like, I'm like, that is literally a Nathan's hot dog, (laughs) right? Like beautifully plated next to like white rice and an egg. But it's just like the garnish and the, you know, all that stuff. So And I've learned that egg is not that healthy. I've been told to cut down on egg yolks. It's not healthy if you have high cholesterol. But it, it okay. does have health benefits if you are not, you know, uh, in the risk area. I miss eggs so much. I know. I, I don't know what I would do. Um, I definitely have friends with kids with like egg allergies and stuff. And I'm like, 
I, I just, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, but I do, I, I remember our first, I know this isn't our first, but in my memory, our first like experimental uh, meal that we made was the brown butter sage ravioli. Oh yeah. That was like so beyond my comfort zone. Is that with the squash? Yeah, butternut squash ravioli. This is a a funny story too, which was, oh no, this is after we had the squash. So we we got uh, this CSA. Oh yeah, from Tiffany, from our friend who lives upstate. She did a CSA order and then asked us if there was anything that we wanted and we ended up getting squash. And with that squash, we made this brown butter nut like filled ravioli. And I remember this was really funny because we were cutting the pasta with my like Stella Artois glass. Oh my god, yeah! <laughs> to make little circles, that was really fun. Yeah, because we didn't have a rolling pin. We we had like a oh really, didn't, yeah we didn't have a rolling yeah, pin. Yeah, yeah, we had like a you know because your your kitchen was like a bachelor kitchen. Like you know, no offense. Like I know you love being in the kitchen now, but when I met you, you had a bachelor kitchen, okay? And so you know, um, you didn't have a rolling pin, and I. I distinctly remember when I was a kid and we were making dumpling wrappers in like, you know, my whole family would get together in my grandma's kitchen and have this whole setup. They they had like, you know, the pasta rollers that flatten the dough. Yeah. One table had like a pasta roller that flattened the dough. And then we had this like assembly line of aunties and me with sheets of dough and cups that we would use to create dumpling wrappers and we would just have these like family dumpling making parties. I completely forgot about this. You totally unlocked a core memory for me. But because of that, I was like, oh, if we can't like, we can just use cups to make like ravioli, which is just an Italian dumpling. And um, we used a wine bottle as as a roller. Yeah. It was funny because we like actually powdered the wine bottle of flour. (laughs) <laughs> to roll out the yeah. the pasta. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, I remember the Stella glass that we were using that to make. And they were really like perfectly sized yeah. discs that it made too. Yeah, like a Stella beer glass. And, you know, it had a nice thin rim, which is like perfect for cutting through dough. Yeah, that was a good meal. I forgot about those raviolis. But yeah. That was, all, that was very good. Yeah, it was all very new to us. I think because we had gone to a restaurant that served it's just a flavor combination we'd never really thought about like Mm -hmm. i had ordered a butternut squash ravioli from probably uh il Il corallo trattoria in soho yeah yeah in soho which was like my favorite spot at the time and it was like you know and when we looked up a recipe there was like a brown butter sage there were hazelnuts like chopped hazelnuts in there and i was like wow i've like never cooked with these things before but it came out so good it wasn't cute you know, like for our first time, but it was so good. Yeah. I think that was also around the time when we got our coveted air fryer. Oh my God. <laughs> but I felt, I feel like the air fryers transformed cooking too, because I would cook food there that you normally fry. And I always shy away from frying things because of all the smoke and the smell. Yeah. Your kitchen then didn't have a good ventilation yeah. system. When I was living in Williamsburg, my kitchen like did not have a hood. Like literally the stove was just in the middle of a room with like zero ventilation or anything like that. Yeah. So. It's like near where we kept our shoes. Like you yeah. open the door to get into your apartment and it's like just three feet away from the sink in the middle of a wall Mm -hmm. yeah so i would have to set up a fan anytime i fried stuff to blow it all towards the windows yeah i remember that yeah so i've always shied away from um like cooking frying stuff on the on the frying pan but ever since we got that air fryer it's life-changing yeah it's made anything that i would otherwise fry on the stove so much easier and like less smoke and less whatever and it just make stuff delicious yeah we talk regularly about like whether or not we want to get like matching air fryer tattoos like i'm such an air fryer sorry shout out to kasori <laughs> yeah they should sponsor us because the amount of people who got the kasori xl the specific kasori that, that we got we got like they asked us yeah because like you can fit a whole freaking chicken in there i like i stopped rotisserie and chicken in the oven because i learned that you can put in a whole chicken into the air fryer 
it kind of takes the same amount of time like i'll be honest but it's just so much easier like to just yeah. set it and forget oh man so good and that so that's where i make my salmon now yeah and it, like cooks the perfect salmon yeah man love that thing i want to get a tattoo too like i was talking about it this morning but yeah. i was like i just want like a hyper detailed nicely shaded kasori <laughs> air fryer right on my arm <laughs> So I always remember. But then I was asking you, I was like, do you think in like 10 years the air fryer is going to go the way of the George Foreman grill? Because. Yeah, that had everybody like in a chokehold back then. And So when I was thinking about if I ever got that tattoo, I was like, this, I wonder what people would feel like today if they had gotten a George Foreman grill tattoo back in the day. I'd be like, actually, that's pretty funny. I don't think there's anybody that would have gotten a George Foreman that, that, grill if tattoo. If I met somebody today that had a George Foreman grill <laughs> tattoo, I'd be like, that's dope. Gosh, don't do it. Well, you know, we joked where, like, you know, you would be the body of the air fryer and I would be the drawer of the air fryer. So, like, you know, it's like a couple's tattoo. But... I think if I'm if I'm gonna predict the direction that air fryers are gonna go, I don't think that they're gonna be a standalone item anymore. I think air fryers are gonna start being embedded into ovens the way that they are in Korea. Yeah, I think yeah, some ovens have like the top shelf of the oven above the main compartment is an air fryer. Yeah, but an air fryer is also just a rebranded convection oven. It's true. It's like a tiny convection oven, so it just does yeah. things quicker. You're right. Yeah, I just don't like wasting all that energy and air of an yeah, oven. Yeah, you're heating up that big That big-ass thing for what? And then, like, for some reason, the cleanup feels more, like, cumbersome. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm... I was going to say I support it, but my mouth made me stop. I don't. Don't get an air fryer tattoo. But <laughs> all that to say is, like, we, we both very... I think the air fryer elevated our cooking game dramatically. I remember a friend of ours recently came over for July 4th, and they were just, like, watching us cook in the kitchen. And they were just like, you guys are, like, I don't know, like a... Did they say robots? or Like, it was just something about, like, how how, like fluidly we moved in the kitchen together mm-hmm. um and i i think i really enjoy the act of cooking with you yeah you know it yeah. yeah that reminds me of something else that i would have called my signature dish which is this we call it boomtown pasta mm. because it was inspired, I was inspired by yeah. uh, a dish that we ate in in alaska which was called the boomtown pasta and it's basically a it's a pasta using pappardelle noodles, and it's got this white sauce on it that's very garlicky with goat cheese in it. And I think this was an add-on, but they put like a big piece of chicken on top of it, and it was amazing. And I think that's also a fun thing is like, and I mentioned this before when I said I made that meat dish that was inspired by Otoya, or like yeah. a dish from Otoya. Yeah. I really like when we go out to a restaurant and we really really like a dish and then you go home and try to recreate it yeah and once you're able to make it at home it's like yeah why do you need to go done deal yeah yeah i think that's where some of the creativity has really been and i i think generally what makes people think like i'm a good cook like i don't i have friends who are really good cooks you know like they're like chefs right i would never put myself on that caliber you know but I do think what sets it apart is like the creativity of the food that we want because what we're doing is essentially recreating foods that we love. Yeah. Like I'll sit there and I'll crave very specifically like, oh, damn, I really want halal right now. So, you know, we'll we'll figure out a way to make halal at home. Yeah. And it's oh, simple. Man. I made that white sauce or I tried <sighs> to recreate the white sauce. It's not exactly like halal guys it's white close. sauce, but whatever it is. It's it the was clo- really good. It's the closest we've gotten to halal cart white sauce. I don't think it tastes like the white sauce, but it's amazing in its own way. Like, I would literally drink it from the bottle. Yeah, like I I have uh, fish sticks in the freezer, and instead of tartar sauce, I used that white sauce because it was just amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, like recreating stuff. And, and I agree with you, like cooking the salmon with all the different sauces and whatever sauce I cooked was just whatever flavors I was craving of the day. Like I think the great thing about cooking is not, I'm not trying to make like a Michelin star meal. I'm just trying to cook something that my mouth really wants yeah, or something that I really enjoyed and I just want to make that for myself. Yeah, I'm not out here trying to 
win a Michelin star yeah. or like argue that my cooking is, yeah. is on that level. Yeah, I think the joy of cooking for me has become two things. One is figuring out a way to like simplify something and make it a little bit healthier than what I see. Um, but it's like when I go out to eat, I'm always like unconsciously breaking down the architecture of a dish that I really like. And the way that restaurants decide to pair certain flavors with other things, like I register, I register something as like, oh my God, I really love this. Like I love this, like I love sweet meat, like for, you know, like things like that. And then I'll, I'll try to recreate that at home. And that's been like the joy of the breakfast that I make. Like, I love slow breakfasts. Before, you know, whenever I had the opportunity, whenever I was like a working girl that, you know, worked in an office, like I savored sit down breakfasts. Brunch I hate, but sit down breakfast by myself when nobody else is there. And to be able to recreate that at home and give myself that like decadent experience that slows down time a little bit, um, makes me feel like I have like wealth in my life, right? Yeah, it's almost therapeutic yeah. when you cook. Yeah, and I think the other thing is like the composition of the plate. Like I love plating food. I love making it beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love like seeing how certain colors go well with each, you know? So yeah. that's really the joy of cooking for me. I think the other thing too is that you know exactly what you're putting into it. Yeah, And true. you can make like alternatives. Like, you know, you found out you have a lot of like sensitivities to different ingredients. So now we could, you know, ha- like have total control over that. And on top of that, like I've, I've been trying to cut out dairy. So I've been trying to use less and less butter. And I found this hack from Roy, Roy Choi. Roy Choi. Where he basically, instead of putting butter, he'll like confit garlic and oil and then like blend it and that's like what he'll use instead of butter so i've been doing that instead of adding butter you don't miss butter at all no and it's funny because like you know i i keep making fun of this one youtube video that i saw where some guy was like how you make fluffy delicious eggs and the first step was he put like this big brick of butter like in the pan and just started like melting it melting like almost half of a brick of butter in the pan before he even put eggs in there and i'm like oh yeah (laughs) you don't know like and these are like michelin star chefs and it's like yeah if you put a stick of butter in anything it's gonna be delicious i didn't know until i tried to make eggs benedict at home i used to always whenever i went to diners i'd always like get the eggs benedicts i just like it's something i never eat like and i had to make hollandaise sauce at home and for a single serving there's like four sticks of butter in hollandaise sauce Full, I don't it even is think that fits literally it. just butter and mustard like i was so grossed out that i probably did not order eggs benedict after that yeah like, I'm not i, an I eggs, love butter i'm not but. an eggs benedict person I, I always avoid it when i see it see it in brunch menus mm. but i think it's because of the mustard i didn't know that there was that much butter in it you don't that like mustard ridiculous. i like mustard by itself on sandwiches but not like, not in hollandaise sauce. I'll use mustard in, in sauces that I make, like barbecue sauces and stuff like that. And I'll like add a little bit of it in sandwiches. Yeah, it's that like savory grounding. But for some reason, I just did not want it in on top of my eggs. I think it's because you unconsciously did not want the four sticks of butter. Because, yo, that shit is nasty. It's crazy. It's, it's insane. I was, um... I was looking back on my Instagram because I got a recommendation to make a reel from, you know, I keep like highlights on my profile of like the foods I make, I'm proud of, like whatever. You know, my phone is constantly running out of room because I just take so much pictures of my own food. But I, I, it, it suggested a reel of like my latest food highlight. And I was looking at all of these, I'm like, damn, like, hey, we eat really well, you know? I'm like, I'm actually really proud. Like, I I never thought I'd be this person that cooked well. I, you know, and I, I, I always thought that, like, I distinctly remember the rough period of time where I started to cook for myself and, like, started cooking healthy, and I was so angry the whole time I was doing it. Like, I... I I have this distinct memory of the first time I ate brown rice and I was like, this is 
terrible. So I had to like put in garlic and lemon just to make it like palatable. But all of that was to kind of break, like divorce from the foods that I was eating, which was like literally like Chinese food and sandwiches. And I had to like retrain my palate to not need hot sauce and salt all the time. Yeah. And I was going back and I was like, you know, like, I I remember distinctly the very first meal that I made that I was proud of and really surprised by. And it was around this time I was was playing around with clean eating and, you know, I I made like a, I wasn't using a recipe and I just sauteed some chicken, like a chicken breast. I had a bunch of watercress that I just got from the Chinese supermarket for like $2. And I chopped up some nuts. I chopped up some apples because the watercress was bitter and I was learning that sweet cuts bitterness around that time and I just did like a squeeze of lime juice and I took a bite and I was like what like what like this it was so good I ate I ate that like every day for like a week and in my mind that was only six years ago like you know but I, I scrolled as far back to like September 2013 so a year like 10 years from now um, you know like yeah. in the fall And it made me kind of realize that, you know, and while I was scrolling through my feed, I saw all of my like health experiments, my salmon. I was just starting to cook between 2013 to 2015 because I was meal prepping. And I now have like a healthy respect for what I think is very simple cooking, Mm -hmm. but I'm acknowledging that it actually was 10 years of like just exposure and practice and figuring out what my body likes and doesn't like and 10 years of building my pantry to have like our pantry staples you know um because because we have this assortment of stuff we can just whip up these meals these elaborate meals whenever we want yeah and i wanted to take a moment to like thank 2013 jess for like starting that journey I still don't think it took off until around the time that we met. Yeah. But it was like a beautiful kind of like coming home and acknowledging that this has actually been like a long game. I wish I had some sort of journey like that with my food. (laughs) Well, you kind of do. I, I think when you tell me about how your mom was always cooking and you would just look over her shoulder as a kid and as an adult, you would just stand there watch her cook kind of like rest your head on her shoulder and just absorb all of the things that she was doing and she'll explain things to you she'd be like i'm using this because it cuts the flavor of this or it you know balances this out like she was teaching you this whole time so to me that is a journey that's only manifesting now that you're cooking on a regular basis because when we met i thought you didn't cook I didn't really cook. It was just simple foods. Right. But yeah, I guess it feels good to carry on like that cooking gene yeah. in my family because it's not just my mom. My mom watched her grandma cook and that's how she knew a lot of things and tricks that yeah. she knew while cooking. And now that I'm cooking a lot more, there are certain things that I pick up that I hear my mom say or said when I was watching her that I yeah. will incorporate into the things that I cook. So. It's nice to know that like, all right, I'm now using this energy. And when we eventually have kids, like I want to be able to be a parent that cooks and yeah. that my kids will go to their friends and be like, oh, my, my dad's an awesome cook. So yeah. I'm glad that 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 is there now that, yeah. I, that I have that skill. Yeah, you're not learning any of this from scratch. Like this is really just something that was in you that was dormant until we had a reason to cook. And so like that's beautiful to me. You know, mm-hmm. my friends think you're the chef in the relationship. And I think we're like, we, we both be cooking. Yeah. But it, it really just surprised me how natural cooking is to you and how natural making sauces and soups. and I love sauces. Yeah. Like you, I call him, guys, I, no, this is kind of gross. I call you the sauce daddy. Like I just call you, you're like. You call me anything daddy. Anything now, daddy. You be a daddy. Last man. episode was all about me plant, being a plant daddy. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ew, gross. Anyway, but you, you do, you do like, you do know how to make things work. Mm-hmm. And I do also think that that comes from years of exposure and understanding the science behind umami 
Yeah, because I, I don't really follow recipes. I basically will use a recipe to let me know what ingredients I need, but I will, won't follow the measurements. I won't even use the exact ingredients. I'll like replace stuff and I like wing it yeah. sort of with some of the dishes. So, you go with your spirit. Yeah, and it's all of that like replacement. Like It's almost as if I'm building something, right? Mm-hmm. Like building a bike. Instead of using this part, I swap it with a different part, a part that I prefer. Same thing with constructing a meal. It's like, oh, this recipe calls for X thing. I don't like that thing, or you but I'll replace it. it with something else. So if it's yeah. like a salty ingredient, it's like, oh, I don't like that salty ingredient, so I'll just swap it with another salty yeah, ingredient. Yeah, I'll use soy sauce or miso. Or... Exactly. But they're all essentially, it's just all building blocks. Like any recipe will give you clues to what the building blocks of that recipe is. And you would swap out stuff within that building block family to create something that's uniquely yours. Yeah, that's probably why I like like cooking so much. It's almost like building something with Legos. Yeah, it's your engineer brain, your like logic brain. Um, But I've had spectacular spectacular failures too. But also, that's a part of it. Yeah, like I feel like any dish that I try to create for the first time, the first one, yeah, it's terrible. I don't want anybody to taste it. But I like know exactly how I need to change it the next time and then the next time I make it then it's great I feel like with the broths the first time I made it it was basically just like water and it didn't taste like anything yeah and since then now I know like how to manipulate the flavors in it yeah I think you know when you make pancakes there's always one or two sacrifice pancakes like the first pancakes are always not going to be good and then after that it like you find the groove you find the heat you find the um but yeah I don't know I think I think recognizing like when I when I look at recipes what I usually do is maybe the opposite what I would do is find six or seven recipes around a specific thing I'm craving and then I would conglomerate those recipes into something that works for me so I would either simplify it or I would take like two lines from one recipe and then three lines from another or I'd you know, make the meat from one recipe, but a sauce from another. And I would like, I do a lot of research, like very quickly, I just skim stuff. And then I'm like, okay, I know what I'm gonna do. And so when you see me with my like computer in the kitchen, it's because I'm like toggling between three different tabs, like trying to figure out what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. But that is also what kind of makes this recipe uniquely mine. Um, you know, when we made fish tacos, it was like, or uh, not fish tacos, we made Korean barbecue tacos. That was like 12 recipes in one. Like the mm-hmm. salsa came from one, the, you know, the meat, the cream sauce came from another. And I think there's a part of me that my tongue is kind of like the, my tongue is like the project manager. Like it's like, it knows what it's looking for and it knows what end flavor it wants. And because it knows what it's looking for, like the rest of my brain knows what to find. So it'll like pull those pieces together to make this surprisingly harmonious dish that just like works. Yeah. Um, so it's just and I, that to me, I'm wondering how much, you know, I'm, I feel like that comes from just experience of having figured out your confidence in the kitchen and your literacy in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want to do a lightning round oh. of food, favorite foods? Okay. Or least favorite foods? Okay. All right. So what is your favorite protein? Chicken. I think mine is salmon so, now. I, I would say a red meat. Because, I was going to say. But I'm, I'm cutting down on my red meats. Yeah. But right now, I love salmon. Whenever we cook it, it's like the steak of the sea. Yeah. No, steak of the sea. Um, I've said this multiple times, but like my body is craving fish all the time at like in the past year or so. And so I'm sure it's becoming fish, but I still have much more confidence handling chicken and making chicken than I do fish. Mm-hmm. So I would prefer to eat fish. Like I'm all about like cod and all that stuff, but I still have a lot of like insecurity around handling fish. Mm-hmm. So at this time, my preferred meat is still very much chicken. Okay. What's your favorite vegetable? That one's really hard. Um, I think if I give myself time to settle, I'm always surprised by this answer, but I'm pretty sure it's zucchini. 
You cook a lot of zucchini. I, I do, but I, I actually very specifically will cook zucchini when I'm feeling acidic. Mm. Like, I crave zucchini when I feel like inflamed. I crave zucchini when I feel acidic or bloated. I crave zucchini when I need bland food. But I will let a zucchini rot to death if I'm not in any of those like states of crisis. So yeah. it's really interesting. I, I wouldn't like, you know, my, my favorite vegetable tends to be like leafy greens and, you know, just whatever has nutritional benefit. But my like spirit needs zucchini as like a medicinal cure. I don't know what cure it's for. Mm-hmm. What about I would you? say mine is arugula. Yeah. It's very easy and it's, just it's my favorite leaf it is and it's a beautiful leaf any salad you make with arugula is a beautiful salad Mm -hmm. any sandwich that you put arugula in is a beautiful sandwich yeah all right what is your favorite restaurant oh that's changed um after like fine dining restaurant yeah that's changed after covid um that changes every like month that's fine what is it today your current I think the one that I actually get the most excited about that I crave a lot, surprisingly, is this burger spot, Korean burger spot called No One. Mm-hmm. N-O-W-O-N. Yeah, you keep talking about Lower this. East Side. Like, I can't tell you why, but I, like, need it sometimes. So I will go there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I just have so many. It depends on, like, the mood I'm in. Well, I think it matters whatever the first one is that came to mind. Okay. I would say mine is a Toya. Still, mm. I, we haven't been there in a while, and I want to go back. I'm, like, craving it. It's our date night spot. Yeah, so I would say Utoya is my favorite restaurant. Yeah, my most of my favorite restaurants shut down. Mm-hmm. So my favorite restaurant prior to the pandemic was this place called Khyber Pass, which was an Afghan spot in the East Village. And I feel like most people went there for hookah. But I went there for the food and I have like so many beautiful memories associated with it. And it was the first time I think I had Afghan food. And any time I've had Afghan food after that has never been as good. Mm-hmm. Fesenjan, which is like a chicken and pomegranate sauce. Like I just I can't tell you how incredible that combination is. I crave it all the time and I can't find a Fesenjan as good. But they shut down during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. then um, my second was Il Kerala Trattoria in Soho. But I went back and their menu changed. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't... My favorite dish on the menu was gone. And I'm the kind of person that will go to a restaurant and always order the same thing. And so I kind of have no ties now to Il Kerala, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. I can't think of any others. It's just Atoya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a loyal man. What is your favorite trash food place or fast food? Yo, before I met you, I like never ate fast food for maybe 10 years. But now I like constantly crave McDonald's, like nuggets specifically. I'm thinking about McNuggets like a third of the month at any given time. Yeah. Um, And a quarter pounder. I used to love Wendy's as a kid. That was my top tier preferred um i can't tell you the last time i was at wendy's it's yeah it's been a long time yeah exactly i uh i went there almost every week with my childhood best mm-hmm. friend yeah, i mean my favorite thing at wendy's was the uh spicy chicken nuggets but they got rid of it crazy enough for mm-hmm. a little bit and then i mean i think it's back now but when they got rid of it that's when i was like there's no reason to go to wendy's anymore yeah but for me i would say for some reason the thing that's coming to my mouth is Pizza Hut. I don't know why. What? It's because I just what? love the buttery crust of Pizza Hut. For some reason, that's coming to mind when I think about like fast food that I'm craving and miss. I've actually um, never really ever had like Pizza Hut or Little Caesars. We've done Domino's for parties and stuff, but I grew up in an Italian neighborhood where like really cheap really good pizzerias existed on every other block and so the like getting pizza hut or domino's was almost more expensive than getting like a fresh pie from the local pizzeria Mm -hmm. you know but you grew up in the suburbs you didn't have that like 
I don't know, it's just that buttery crust that I always crave. Alright, I think I have one more, which is a, a funny one. Favorite item at Trader Joe's? Yo, that's hard. <laughs> oh my god, I feel like every person that starts going to Trader Joe's like originally doesn't because they're like, oh, it's gonna be expensive, it's bougie, the line is long, and then you go there and you become a Trader Hoes. <laughs> I'm a Trader Joe ho. Like I, I, I'm constantly replacing everything I own. Yeah, like whenever we go to Trader Joe's, our frig- refrigerator ends up full of Trader Joe's. Uh, my and, favorite thing for us. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I know it's funny because we were watching a couple of YouTubers who do cooking, and like this one guy, wow, like everything he cooks looks great, and like every ingredient is from Trader Joe's. Yeah, dude, and I get it. Like I get it. And like, you know, they're seasonal items, like, oh my God, I get it. So I would say I have staples, but the one thing that I recommend to everybody is the gluten-free pizza dough, like the ready-made gluten-free pizza dough. I've never realized I can make pizza in general until I had that dough, one. And two, it just tastes amazing. I don't know what they do what their gluten-free formula is but like you know i only started going like actual seriously gluten-free in the past like year maybe six months i don't know and everything i taste tastes like sadness and you kind of have to adjust your palate to lower your standards but then trader joe's is like no you don't and so they're like gluten-free fresh fettuccine they're gluten-free bread toasts amazingly it doesn't it's not spongy like, the bread is really good. I'm impressed dude, by the gluten-free bread. It feels like bread. And it, it, it doesn't have that like styrofoamy, you know, quality that all the other gluten and it's affordable. So like I've slowly replaced like all of my gluten-free items at Trader Joe's with Trader Joe's items. And the other one I can't stop thinking about is their like non-dairy tikka masala that's made out of like watermelon seeds. Like I don't I just think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um but I have many favorites from there yeah what about you i just miss the fish nuggets which they no longer have you love those fish nuggets every time we go there i think anytime we go in i'm like fish nuggets we need more fish nuggets they were they were just so solid to have in our in our yeah and they were good i mean i tried whatever new fish stick boxes that they have and it's just not the same so i miss those fish nuggets and i guess the other thing i would say is their knockoff bark thins the dark chocolate like bark mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we have yeah. it in the pantry right now i ate it last night i opened up a new bag last night yeah so good yeah yeah no I, I still stick by their savory savory things all right last last one guilty pleasure food uh sour cream and onion uts <laughs> I don't even know if that qualifies as a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. Like, I will eat a whole bag in one sitting if I could. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I've been trying to find this for a while at our grocery. Oh, yeah. Do you know what it is? That um, Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's Americone Dream ice cream. What's in it? What makes it so different? So, I mean, it's just ice cream, and it has chocolate-covered pretzels in it, and, like, caramel, and I think that's, like, pretty much it. But, I don't know, there's just something very specific about that, like, crunch that you get, that chocolate crunch that you get while eating vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I've been, yeah, I've been looking for, for that for a while. I have a question. Can't we just, like, crush up some bark thins into some vanilla ice cream and throw in some pretzels and call it a day? No. Because it's also Ben and Jerry's yeah. ice cream. Like, yeah. the ice cream, it's just all the flavors of yeah. that Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Like, you can't just take Oatly vanilla and then, like, take a chocolate-covered pretzel and just mash it in there. Yeah, I guess like, so. Like, throw some, drizzle some caramel in there. Listen, I mean, we made healthy chocolate shell, and we started bootlegging Klondike's because apparently if you just melt chocolate into coconut oil it turns into chocolate shell yeah so it's an amazing hack you can basically recreate the dairy queen hard shell yeah chocolate yeah so whenever we were craving klondikes we would just kind of like 
do some ice cream with some hard shell over it. We we bought cones. Mm. We had this whole like thing. Actually, wait. I think that that's what it is in Americone. No, that's oh, why duh. it's called Americone Dream. <gasps> it's not chocolate covered pretzels. It's chocolate covered uh, crushed up cone. Wow. How did I? That that's literally literally in the name of the ice cream. I think it's easy to recreate at home. I think we should try it. Maybe. Yeah, I've never been into Ben and Jerry's because I just think there's too much going on. I'm a very simple, simple girl. Talenti pistachio had me like I was a slave to Talenti pistachio before I had to like before I realized dairy gives me acne. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if it's just being like at older than thirty, where like your list of foods you can't eat just gets bigger and bigger. But I'm not mad at it. <laughs> I'm not mad. All right, well, I am going to go to the grocery right now and look for <laughs> American Dream. All right. <laughs>